The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. It's Tuesday. You know what that means? I spend the whole hour answering your sex, love, and relationship questions. But uh, you can also send me, well, whatever your gripes, your complaints, uh, whatever it is, is that is on your mind, not just sex and relationships, but mental health issues as well. 514-800 to text in. Uh, some people have uh, emailed me. You can do that to laurie at drlaurie.com or you can go straight to my website, drlaurie.com and fill out the contact sheet there and I will get uh, your email. So I got this one. I've been listening to your show for a little over a year. I have particularly been enjoying the Baby Boomer shows and always look forward to Trouble Tuesdays. Three weeks ago, I left my husband, who was physically and mentally abusive. He was always a drinker, but when the pandemic shut everything down, his drinking got much worse. He has always been abusive in one form or another, but more so when drinking. I kept saying to myself, this has to stop, and made it very clear to him, I will leave. I remembered the shows you had on abuse and one show stood out that stayed in my mind. A woman who used the word escaped and called a friend from a phone booth. I do not remember all the specifics, but she escaped while her husband was working nights. It was this show that gave me the strength and courage to leave. I'm just now settling into my new apartment and getting my life back together with the help of a few close friends. I got a transfer to a new division, so it is like a new job under a different company name. I've had no contact with him since I left, and I do not even miss him. My friend's husband is a divorce lawyer and will be taking my case free of charge. I have a life again, and I have you and your show to thank for that. I should have done this years ago. Maybe I should have been listening to your show years ago, and I might have. Your show has made me laugh, cry, and I've learned a lot along the way. The poems you read from the poet are, have given me a smile many times. Tonight at 10 p.m., I'll be laying in bed, lights out with C.J. Dion. Tonight is Tuesday, and I want everyone to know that no matter how bad you think things are, you must take the first step in changing what is wrong. If you have to leave, then leave. It is never too late, and Dr. Lori is always here with the best advice. Seek her out. It will change your life. It changed mine. Thank you. Um, so that's always nice to hear. I mean, it's always sad for me to hear of, of such situations and people suffering for, uh, sometimes for, for so long, but if we can help out, then, uh, then that's all I want. You know, that is the purpose of this show. Even if it helps, uh, one person, we change the world one person at a time. So that's why acts of kindness, uh, and this is for everybody out there, um, matter. It's like putting a pebble in a pond and there are ripple effects when you throw in that pebble sometimes you don't know how far that ripple goes so when you do good or when you do something to help somebody out in any which way you are throwing that pebble in there and just know even if you can't see the effect on the spot that that has uh, that those ripples extend pretty far out so so I want to thank our community here, our passion community, who have been so good at helping each other out. It's not just me helping, but um, what I'm getting and, and from the emails that I get from our listeners is that the whole community 
um, helps out here. And, and that's, uh, that's really, that's really important and, and touching for me and humbling. So keep doing it because uh, you are all wonderful and I wouldn't uh, be here without all of you truly. A couple of texts here. God bless her for doing what she had to do. Wish her well. Uh, Dr. Lloyd, congratulations to that courageous listener for starting a new and evidently better chapter in her life. It's nice to hear about. So yes, I, I like I agree with you. It's so nice to hear um to just to hear back from people who have been impacted by all of us, right? Uh, to, to get that kind of uh, feedback. Like uh, we've had many like this, like the, the young ladies 20 years later are giving us updates on uh, decisions they made after we helped them out here on the air. So I think that's, um, that's great. 20 years, like the, we are celebrating our 21st year on the air. Our 21st birthday is, uh, this month actually. So this is the month that I started on this show in 1999. Seems like forever ago, but, uh, so thank you. Thank you all for allowing me to do this, uh, this work here with you and for you. All right, uh, 514-800, if you'd like to text in a thought or a question, you know you're always, always welcome. I'm writing to you today about a concern that I have within my relationship. It's a male-to-male relationship regarding the intimate side of our relationship. Although I have not gone to my GP about this due to being a bit scared, I've looked it up, which I know isn't usually the most sensible thing to do. However, the closest thing I can seem to find that relates to what I have is something called a rectal prolapse, where a bit of thick skin hangs out of my anus. And my question is, could anal intercourse harm me at all or possibly my partner as a result of this? So far, the sex we have had is quite good and he seems to really enjoy it. However, when I'm on the receiving end, although it is pleasurable and we take our time making sure to use plenty of lube to penetrate and go in slowly, even after a small while when good motion has started, it is still slightly painful during the intercourse and I was wondering if this may be a result of the prolapse, if of course it is a rectal prolapse that I have. Either way, forgive me for the ambiguity on what sort of condition I have with my anus as I do not know myself and simply judging from a self-diagnosis online. So first let me just say this, and if you don't know, I am not a medical doctor. I'm a doctor of psychology, not a medical doctor. The only way to truly diagnose what you have is obviously a medical evaluation. So I can tell you this protrusions from the anus. Yes. Could be a prolapse as you describe. It could also be a really big hemorrhoid. Um, when, when we're talking about a, a rectal prolapse, what that means is, and you could have a vaginal prolapse, like you can have a rectal prolapse basically involves the walls of the rectum falling out and protruding to the outside. It is a rare condition, not usually caused by anal sex, although it it could, but usually not, at least from from what I know of this. Um, But anal sex with large objects or a large penis, for example, can cause the rectal muscles to weaken or uh, tear. And that can happen also with chronic constipation. 
uh, as one example. But hemorrhoids are the most common result of this. And these can protrude outside the body. It can feel like a pad of skin. Usually it's pinkish in color. Uh, and these do hurt, actually. So um, in the case of a rectal prolapse, the protrusion, the protrusion that you see would be far larger than a uh, what a, a hemorrhoid would look like. So you, you really do need to see a medical doctor to figure out the different treatment options. Uh, if it's a rectal prolapse, it's one thing. If it's a hemorrhoid, it's a whole other thing. Otherwise, if you don't take care of it, you may end up doing um, more damage. So why would you take that that risk? Again, you know, when you see something that shouldn't be there, please have it checked out by a medical doctor. That's what they're there for. No need to be embarrassed. This is about your health. Please take charge of your health. Coming up, a question about sex with a transgendered male. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Trouble Tuesdays tonight, I'm answering your questions. Uh, you can send them to me by text at 514-800 or some of your comments on uh, some of the, uh, the emails or texts that I'm sharing with you. You can also call in at 514-790-0800. I answer your sex, love, relationship questions or your general mental health issues. If you're looking for help or you uh, want questions about what therapy is, what psychologists do, what uh, people in this, uh, like sexuality or sex therapists do, you can ask me, 514-800 to text in. I'm assuming this uh, comes from a woman right here. Uh, if I have intercourse with a transgender man, so this is a bio-female uh, who is now male, while he was still a woman, does that make me a homosexual? Good question. Uh, the answer is no, it doesn't, but you're the only person person who you know how you identify so I, I would ask you were you attracted to the female side or were you attracted to the male side or maybe it just doesn't even matter for you and you were just attracted to the person which would make you more uh, pansexual so what are pansexuals pansexuals are, are people who will tell you they're neither gay straight or bi and that they are attracted to individuals to people regardless of their gender identity or gender expression so that's a, a term that um, we didn't have 20 years ago <laughs> uh, one of the newer uh, terms now that we now that we can identify that sexuality is so much more complex than gay or straight or what attraction is, et cetera, et cetera. So we, we know so much more. And some people um, will tell you that they can be attracted to just a person, regardless of whether they are male or female, gay, straight, what have you. My question is about how to make sex a more approachable topic in my relationship. I thought being a little humorous would lighten the mood around the topic and that didn't work at all. Uh, maybe people can write in and tell me what works for them. What are the conditions in which uh, it's, it's easier for you to talk about sex in your 
relationship. 514-800. Clearly, humor is always a good thing. Uh, I think it, you know, somebody who can can be funny is is great. It, but it may not always go over well, and that depends on your partner. It depends on the the, the circumstances in which humor comes out. Uh, talking about sex just in general is is not easy for for many people. And the ease in which we talk about it often depends on our experiences in childhood, for example, how, uh, how were the, what were the messages that we got growing up? Many of us grew up, uh, in homes where sex was a taboo subject. And we knew this because nobody talked about it, right? So it, it's not that, uh, we, that we heard talk about it, uh, and, and the tabooness of it came through, we knew just by the silence around the topic of sexuality that it was a, ta- it was a taboo um, subject. So if we grew up that way, it does make it more difficult for us to openly talk about sex. That doesn't mean you can't uh, learn. It is a, it's still an important uh, skill for us to develop because we know that people who have better sexual communication actually have um, better sex. So, uh, maybe your partner is actually more uncomfortable than you are. So it's important to be patient, to be compassionate, to keep talking about sexuality, but maybe, maybe in a, in a more general manner. And, you know, sometimes when we use humor, we there, it can come out as sarcasm or it cut like, Humor is not always well read by the other person or they don't get your humor. So they may take it as uh, maybe offended, offensive or, or what have you. So you want to be careful with that. I think talking about sex in a, in a general way rather than specifically about your sexuality or your sexuality with the particular partner might, um, might help. And you find some kind of uh, story that you heard or a situation that you, you read about or what have you and find out what your partner, uh, thinks about it. And it will give you a bit of an insight into how they think and feel when we come to it from like a, a, a more objective, um, perspective. When we talk about one's own sexuality, like if you're asking her about her own stuff, it may be, uh, that's where she or he might, might get shy, might get uncomfortable, might not want to talk about it. But when you talk about something in general, you might get uh, a different, um, a different response. How long has that listener been with his partner for? Is their mutual communication good in general? Do they both desire sexual activity about equally? Lots to ask about, uh, to start with. So yes, I, I, I don't know, uh, how long, but I can tell you in my practice, I've been, I've seen couples who have been together married for decades sometimes and sexual communication doesn't exist. And they are just learning this, uh, this skill at a much later stage in their life. Even when other communication can be good and they get along, it's still something that, is sometimes really difficult to talk about. And, uh, I noticed this also in couples where let's say there's been an infidelity or something like that. Then it really, that event, I'll say that trauma for some people brings the whole issue of sexuality out into the open. 
So I was talking to somebody even today was telling me that her marriage is re- is really good. Like they, they have really great communication except about sexuality. And then uh, something happened and uh, now they, they, they're only talking about sexuality. So sometimes it, I mean, I wish it didn't have to take an event like that to, to bring the whole sexual issue out into the open. It would be great if people could talk about it um, more openly. Passion Poet weighs in. Uh, sometimes things start to change and it is not going so well. A very personal problem and you have no one to tell. You may feel alone. You may even be scared. You should reach out to someone you have feelings to share. You have one life to live. Only you can make the change. Put your priorities in order and start to rearrange. It is okay to cry as you make a new start. We all want to be loved and we all have a heart. Thank you for that. And Sometimes your poems are simply reminders to all of us, right? Okay, here's another uh, another one here. So an ex-partner told me she recently did some medical tests and found out she's been having cervical cancer for eight years, likely from HPV. She started seeing specialists lately when she said she'd been starting to feel more pains than ever. She's 29 now. Our first sexual contact was two years ago. Could it be possible she may have had multiple partners at 21? She suggested I get tested out of concern for me. I've been doing HIV tests every every three months and they all come out clean. We had protected vaginal sex as well as received unprotected oral sex from her several times over the last two years too. Is it extremely risky to perform oral sex on a woman with uh, cervical cancer. So I don't know if, if, if she, what she has is actual cervical cancer or abnormal, like the cancerous cells or precancerous cells, which is what you get um, what, when, you, when women go for regular pap tests, the pap test will come back abnormal, which indicates uh, usually precancer or precancerous uh, cells, which then can be removed to eliminate the uh, virus uh, from the body. So uh, that's important. But HPV, the human papillomavirus, is extremely uh, common. Like four out of five people have had it at some point in their life if they're sexually active. This is something that is uh, whether, even if you wear a condom, like this is a skin to skin, uh, genital to jet, like, you know, below the belt skin. Um, That's how it's transmitted. It's got like a bunch of strains, like over 150 different strains. And uh, there's a few of those strains that can lead to uh, cervical cancer, if not uh, discovered in time, for example, which is why we tell women to really use, uh, to really uh, get their pap tests, um, regularly. So you can get the virus through, um, yes, with your mouth, uh, like uh, performing oral sex on, uh, on a female. Yes, because you are touching the, the skin. And again, condoms do not fully uh, protect you. It only covers the length of the penis. And there are plenty of other parts below the waist that, uh, have direct skin to skin, uh, contact. So that's, uh, really important. Uh, so your mouth, your hands, your fingers like that, uh, you know, you, 
of touching below the belt, you can catch um, the virus. So obviously any sexual contact with genitals involved with someone who has the virus can put you at risk of getting the virus too. And that includes uh, oral sex as well. Um, typically though, the, here's the problem is there are no signs or symptoms of this really difficult, uh, to see most people are asymptomatic. Most of the strains disappear on their own. So you may, you may never have shown symptoms, but that doesn't mean you're not carrying, um, the virus. You can still be transmitting it to other, uh, other women through sexual, uh, contacts. It is a virus that is, um, highly contagious and you have an ex partner who has had HPV. So you probably do too, but so does 70 plus percent of the population at some point. That's how, uh, common it is. It's also something that lays dormant. In other words, it, it could, uh, show up, you know, 20 years later as cancerous cells or precancerous cells. So it doesn't indicate necessarily that the person has had multiple, uh, partners. It might just be that they had one partner that gave it to them without knowledge, without knowing that this is something. It's also something that's difficult to test, which is, uh, uh, on, um, on men, I believe, but I can tell you a little bit more um, about that coming up in terms of, uh, of testing and so forth. So we'll, uh, we'll deal with that HPV awareness. Um, very important for all of us. Uh, right now let's check in with our CJD 800 newsroom. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised from the pleasure and the politics to the hangups and the heartbreak. You're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Got a question tonight on this Trouble Tuesday about the transmission of the human papillomavirus. An ex-girlfriend two years back uh, tested positive, I I guess, for cancerous cells, which uh, are related to the human papillomavirus. Um, Usually asymptomatic, uh, but um, I guess from a pap, from a pap test, uh, it was discovered, which is why it's so important to get those pap tests. So now, as I said earlier, there could be absolutely, uh, no symptoms or what you may see is, uh, genital warts. That is the most common symptom is genital warts or if on specific strains that could also lead to, um, to cancer. So these warts are spread below the waistline. So genitals through any skin to skin sexual contact, they can actually be found anywhere from the waist down to apparently the knees, the front, the back of a person's body. Usually these warts are small raised and hard lumps. Uh, usually they're painless. Some people may have a little bit of itching, burning, or, or slight bleeding. Um, but the thing is, is that you may never, ever see a physical, uh, symptom. You can carry the strain of that 
virus, pass it on to someone, uh, and they may or may not present the physical uh, symptoms. Now, there are some strains of this virus. Remember, there are like, I think there are about 180 different strains of this virus. Some of these strains can lead to cancers, cancer of the neck, the throat, the tongue, the cervix, the vagina, the anus, the penis. Rare, but can happen, uh, especially uh, rare on the penis, but can still happen. And it can stay dormant. It can stay dormant for decades. Some research showing up to 30 years. So that means that what people do in their teens, in their 20s, in their 30s can come, come back uh, to, uh, they can show themselves up in, in our 50s, 60s, 70s even. It can take that long to start having some of these uh, symptoms. We know this is um, highly contagious. It has nothing to do really with the number of partners a person has had, because really it only takes, um, it only takes contact with one person, uh, to, uh, to get this. And, and unfortunately the problem is, is that even with protection, even with a condom, you can still, uh, get it or, uh, pass it on. So, Again, whether she transmitted it to you, somebody else transmitted it to you, we may never know. You may never, you may never know. There's no test in men, as far as I know, that exists to see if you have had the virus. Only if, um, only if you present with symptoms, then, uh, we know that. So this is why they recommend now that, uh, the vaccine. So I'm sure you've heard of the HPV, uh, vaccine, uh, there, they vaccinate generally the, the, the way that it's been rolled out is that they vaccinate kids. The, it's most effective when, uh, before you start being sexual. So this is why I think they were doing it in, I don't know if it's grade five or grade six or something like that. But I think, uh, the studies have shown that you can still get vaccinated even up to, um, up to, uh, I think 45 years old or something like that. So there is, there is that. So, uh, the vaccine is, can be helpful. So that's something that you may want to consider. Remember that there's no test that exists to know if a male has HPV. You, the, the texter wrote about being tested for HIV, which is very different. So you may come back negative for HIV, but that doesn't mean you don't have anything else. So just want to, uh, be able to say that. So I hope that answers the question. I know it's a, a long-winded answer, but I figured I would take the opportunity at least to educate a little bit on uh, the human papillomavirus. I've known my best friend for about four years, and we have never had sex, but she's always walking around naked in front of me. She shows me her boobs and lets me feel them. She is very comfortable with her body. She shows me all of her vibrators. I don't know if she is trying to get me to make the move on her, but I don't want to ruin our friendship because it is too valuable. But what should I do? Now, are you saying that 
you're interested in her? Would you like to take it further? If that's the case, then, um, yeah, you should probably, uh, you should probably go for it or at least find out what her interests are. Clearly she trusts you. Clearly she feels safe with you, which is a, um, a good thing. Uh, but it doesn't mean that she's interested in dating you. Maybe she just likes the attention she gets, uh, she gets from you. Maybe she really only sees you as a non, uh, sexual friend, but you need to find out. So, but the only thing you can do is take some action to find out, find out if she's interested in you, or maybe she just, like I said, likes the attention that she gets from a guy that she, uh, she feels safe with, and maybe she doesn't want to be with you romantically. So you'll have to be able to accept that that rejection if that's um that's what happens maybe she does like you maybe she's testing to see if you're going to go for it a lot of these maybes maybe 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 to me i i personally hate guessing games and i would just ask uh directly frankly and see what happens um I like, I wonder too, is she using you for, for attention? Like it's not, it's also not really appropriate for her to, I don't know if she's teasing you or what have you, but letting, I don't get this, letting her, letting you touch her, her breasts. Like that's kind of weird. Uh, frankly, I'm not, uh, I'm not sure. The other thing too is what if what if you don't end up together and you're friends but now you have a girlfriend or she has a boyfriend is this behavior going to continue? Do you think this behavior would be acceptable to a girl that you start dating if you're in a monogamous relationship? Like there's no way. There there's there's no way. Now having said that, there's plenty of people who have um developed a romantic, a romantic relationship out of a good, solid, uh, friendship. But the only way is to like directly confront it and, and find out, is this something that, uh, that she wants? Uh, communication is necessary for this listener. Best friend to me means very little is off the table to ask her about. Okay, that's a good point. If she's your best friend, uh, then you should be able to have these conversations. Another texter, is this guy serious? What other signs do you need? An effing fax? We don't do, nobody does fax anymore. (laughs) Uh, So again, so those are uh, important questions. There you go. We all say, uh, go for it. Just go for it, right? Coming up, I'll answer a question about uh, reaching orgasm. People who have trouble reaching orgasm, what is that all about? We'll address that. Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Trouble Tuesdays tonight answering questions (laughs) uh, about the best friends and such. Uh, Text writes in three possibilities. He's nuts, she's nuts, both are nuts. I, I don't know why nuts, but nonetheless... We, uh, you know, when you want an answer, go for it, ask for it, communicate, communicate, communicate. Uh, okay. Uh, for the past six years with sexual partners, 
I have had trouble reaching orgasm during sex and oral sex. However, jerking off, I reach orgasm with ease. As a male, this is kind of demoralizing as it takes away the ending fun of sex, making sex seem more of a chore than it is a pleasurable activity. I've seen doctors and they've told me nothing was wrong physically and that it is more of a mental situation. Do you have any pointers on how to come again? So your doctor is definitely right. Um, there is probably nothing physically wrong with you. And uh, simply because you can ejaculate no problem when you're on your own, right? So when we're checking to see if something is physical or psychological, we check both. So clearly it, it's like if you're able to get an erection during uh, masturbation, but you can't get an erection with a partner, it's not a physical problem because you're functioning fine. It's a situational thing. Uh, so that's an important, um, distinction that we, that we make. Now it's very possible that you are used to one type of stimulation. So masturbation done always in the, in the same way over and over and over again. Uh, and you, maybe the intercourse isn't providing you with the intensity that you have gotten used to, or, uh, that you, you might need. Another possibility that at least that I see with a lot of men is, uh, is, is that they get nervous or anxious about their performance. We call this performance anxiety and, uh, they don't have this performance anxiety when they're alone cause they're not performing, right? They don't feel that they have to do anything. Uh, so this, I, I see this quite a bit in younger men and this has definitely an impact on, uh, a man's ability uh, to let go. Sometimes I'm giving you all like different hypotheses here. I not specific to you because this is a question that I, I, I answer quite a bit or people with this issue I see quite a bit. Sometimes there are unconscious forces at work. Uh, sometimes it's, it, it's a, an expression of some ambivalent feelings that you may have um, about the relationship. Sometimes it's about fear of getting a partner pregnant, for example, uh, that may play into it again, simply hypotheses here. Uh, for some men, when they, um, when they get into steady relationships where they feel like secure, this problem can just disappear on its own. But Again, another hypothesis, and this is based on the very, very limited information that, uh, you, you have given me. So what you can try in the meantime is try and stay away from masturbation for a while. Let's see if you can train your body to enjoy other forms of sexual stimulation. I want you also to start focusing on the sensations, uh, in your, uh, in your penis. So stop worrying, get out of your head, your big, your brain and get into the moment, right? So it's, it's kind of practicing what we call mindful sex, really focusing on, uh, on the sensations that you have rather than worrying about not ejaculating, because if you worry about it, it's not going to happen. You really need to focus on sensations. So you, there's a few hints of things that you, uh, you can try. If none of this works, then speak to somebody, speak to a professional in the field of sexuality that can really work through and figure out 
what the origin of the uh, of the problem is. Uh, texter, wow, this guy is or was like me. Stop masturbating. I guarantee you will start ejaculating by vaginal and oral. Been there. Easy solution. Okay, there you go. Uh, is this listener feeling inhibited at all by being with his partners? And does he have a good communication relationship with them? That's also uh, a good question. I don't know what the nature of the relationships are. So it just, it, it doesn't sound like there's one particular partner. It might just simply be, um, with, with partners that he's just hooking up with, but have, has not developed a, um, a relationship with them. So maybe there's an inhibition. Maybe there is a feeling of, of not, uh, just not having that, that safety that's possible. And certainly if it's a hookup, I wouldn't expect there to be good communication. There's usually not much, uh, communication actually. So that might be a, a factor to, uh, to consider. We've been married for almost two years now, and in the beginning, we enjoyed making love to each other, but as soon as the days pass by, my the interest of my wife is fading away. She mentioned sometimes that she doesn't feel wet while having sex, and due to this, she feels pain, and also I don't wear a condom because she feels more pain since she doesn't feel wet. To add, she has uh, thyroid issues for more than 10 months now, and she's complained many times about this, uh, that this can be the reason. Please clear out our doubts and help us in making our sex life better. Um, so sometimes, actually, I'm glad you brought up this whole, the, the whole thyroid thing, because there could all, could be a medical condition here, but sometimes not, not lubricating or not getting wet may not be associated with arousal. Like maybe your wife is aroused in her head, you know, like she's turned on, but her body is not cooperating and that can be due to some medical condition. So when that's the case, uh, she needs to get a thorough evaluation, um, like her, her doctor needs to send her for like all the hormone tests, like thyroid, check the thyroid hormone levels, everything to be able to treat the, uh, the cause of this. Now, I don't know how you don't say how old your wife is. So I, I don't know. Cause I'm not going to assume that she's necessarily young. I don't know. Cause age can also play, um, a factor in this regardless of this though. Uh, you should always, and, but I mean, always use an external lubricant when having intercourse, especially since she complains of some, uh, some pain. Remember you can buy lubricants pretty much anywhere these days. I mean, Amazon drug stores, all drug stores, sex shops, there's everybody has them now. Uh, and I can tell you this would, will certainly lessen uh, the pain. You may want to think about, again, not knowing the age, but think about uh, birth control that um, other forms of birth control, if you don't want to use a condom, but even with a condom, you've got to use the lubricant. Don't use oil-based, use water-based or silicone-based. Those are the only ones you can use with, um, with condoms. So there's some tips for you, but again, go to the doctor, have it checked out. 
let's look at the cause. The cause matters in all of this. It's no point in 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 trying to uh, fix the symptoms if uh, if we don't get to the the root cause. That's really really important. Texter writes in to avoid the dryness, use lube, no shame, and I hope they are still happy to be together generally. Uh, generally, couples like this who write in are not necessarily miserable because of this, but they want to fix it, right? They're like, no, I want my partner to to enjoy the sexuality. Uh, this is important to me. It's not just about what they're getting, but m- most men that I speak to are very concerned and want their partners to enjoy it. They're not just taking sex. They want to give their partner pleasure. That's where most of their own pleasure comes from, is being able to uh, to give pleasure to their partner. Um, have we run out of time? I don't know if I've, uh, maybe I have time for one question. Um, I normally have sex with my wife like once or twice a week, not a problem for me and neither for her. The point is that sometimes I make a, a spectacular performance. <laughs> she feels very satisfied and me too, but sometimes it's not that way. Sometimes I ejaculate after five minutes of starting intercourse. I don't understand what's happening. Sometimes it's really, really good and sometimes not. Man, some men are listening now going, five minutes, I wish. Um, so I uh, hope you can help me understand what could be happening to me. Would it be premature ejaculation? Okay, this is not, I repeat, not premature ejaculation. PE usually occurs, we, we call it that when it is under one minute of thrusting. The majority of men will ejaculate between two and five minutes of intercourse. That's of intercourse. That's not including all of the sexual activity that goes on before that, all of that, um, all of that foreplay. Now, the more you worry about it, the faster you're going to ejaculate, unfortunately. And most men will tell you they don't, you know, sometimes they last a really long time. Sometimes they don't. It can depend on many factors on stress on if they drank on uh full stomach whatever i mean so many factors can play into it so it's not really something that you really need to worry about this is perfectly normal that sometimes it's going to last sometimes it won't it can depend on you know how often you're having sex too and maybe you've just masturbated whatever there are many many factors but this is really not something for you to worry about and the more The more you worry, the worse it gets, by the way, the worse it gets for you. So let it go. You're okay. You are okay. Thank you for all of your uh, questions and for tuning in and all of your texts as well. Thanks to Dave Simon, our technical producer tonight. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or through my website, drlaurie.com. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening. Stay safe and remember to live your life with passion.